I am going out into the middle of nowhere to turn five acres of desert into a permaculture oasis. Please join me on my journey. So I'm sitting here all day with the technician I hired to come out here. He said he could hook up my generator to power my, to charge my batteries in my solar system while there's no sun. And he was here for, God, like four or five hours, maybe three, four hours, but um, he couldn't do it. It didn't work. He did look at my onboard generator and it is it needs to be serviced, I guess by a mechanic or something like that. I'm not sure if the RV, the mobile RV technician, come. I, I, they probably do it because they have to handle all RVs, I'm sure. But um, anyway, I wanted to tell you, so it started raining again and I, I went out in my you know, I got my rubber boots on and I wandered around and I realized like it's enough water to fill the pond again, the check dam, and all my soils are full. Um, so I'm like, oh, and it made me think, this is the wettest it's been, the wettest monsoon I've seen in my time out here. Granted, I haven't been out here that long, but I think uh, some other people who live out here have said stuff on social media um, alluding to this being unusual. And it hit me while I was walking around, I'm like, did my setting up of that rain-making machine actually work after all? Huh. I wonder. My friend just texted me and said that she thinks it's going to be a wet winter. And I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> she probably doesn't like that. But uh, I'm like, heck yeah, that's perfect. Uh, pretty much, I'd say almost all the willows, I'd say probably all the willows that I stuck in the ground, the desert willows, they are still green. And so that's a very good sign that they're putting in roots. And now they're in standing water again, and that's awesome. So what's happening is the ground is allowed to hydrate. Where, wherever I've put depressions in the ground, there's standing water. Um, and it's just amazing. Um, even areas that are flat, but that are between ridges of, you know, berms, they're able to hold water because the water can't escape outside the berms, right? And there's just little plants everywhere. Um, yeah, this is a very exciting. It's its own conundrum being in a, you know, off-grid situation where there's no sunshine. That's bad. Okay. It means you're, you know, you're using gas to heat and, uh, you're using, well, I'm already using you know, a form of gas propane to heat, but I meant, I meant, um, you're using gas to power your internet and, you know, your outlets. And really I don't use that much power at all. I just use internet and some lights in the evening. Um, and I, my refrigerator and my furnace do use some power because of the fan for the furnace uses a good amount of power, I would say. Um, and then the refrigerator just, I don't think it uses a ton. It's mostly propane, but anyway, you get the idea. So, you know, it's a compromise and a trade-off, and I'm looking at different options. It does seem like there might be a way to do a backup battery set where you're charging them, but that seems, I don't know, 
I don't know. And we were looking at like, you know, more problems with the system, etc. He disconnected my BMS. He said that all it's doing is telling me that there's a problem with one of the batteries, which, okay, it's always said that. We already know that. He disconnected it. I did try to talk him through like, okay, well, you know, do I really not need it? Like, wouldn't it be better if I had it? What am I going to do if it goes out? Yada, yada. Because I use that BMS app to get it back on again most of the time. And now there's no, that's not connected anymore. Um, so I'm a little concerned about that, but the system hasn't really been going out since the winter came around and I'm not, maybe it's cause I'm not using the evaporative cooler. Um, but it does make me feel a little dependent cause I didn't really get a, he, he did leave it disconnected. Um, he just said that it wasn't really doing anything. It was the one, it was the thing that was shutting off the system. But I said, well, you know, I was trying to kind of ask questions and understand really more fully what he was saying and what my options were. And he said that the drawback to removing it is that the removing the BMS management system, the, sorry, the battery management system BMS is that the bad battery, whatever's going wrong with it could spread to the other batteries. And I'm like, well, that's terrible, but it, I guess having the BMS you know, unit hooked up doesn't change anything with regard to the batteries. The batteries are still connected. So what I need to do is have a solar contractor come out and separate all the batteries out, find the bad one and replace it. He also said that I need probably a lot more batteries. So I was not given enough batteries initially. Um, so that's going to be expensive, but it might not be prohibitively expensive. So we'll see. And I kind of talked through, talked it through with him. And I think that, you know, it's like, if I do move I can take the new batteries with me and leave the old batteries so I'm not wasting money on something that I'm not getting you know if I put money into the property I'm not getting it it's not like I can raise the price on the sale um which brings me to something that I haven't had a chance to talk about yet which is that I am starting to feel like I don't want to move. Um, I haven't been over to the patch in a while, mainly just because I've been really busy and you know, it's like, it's like, I guess at certain times the roads haven't been good. Um, but I don't know. I'm just not making the effort to go over there. I usually just only go over there when I have to take my trash to the, you know, dumpster that I share with my neighbors. Um, but it's like I put all these trees in and I'm, you know, I'm out observing the beauty that's happening on my current property. And I'm kind of like, huh, uh, kind of falling in love with my current property. So I guess I've started to have second thoughts about selling and leaving and, you know, all that. And um, that's kind of interesting. And I'm just monitoring. But I don't, there's a chance that it won't sell. There's a pretty good chance because I guess there's like over 200 properties. Um, oh, the power's going in and out. Sweet. Okay, great. Even with the generator. <sighs> That's why that those, those dings were, here, were happening. I thought it was maybe that the that a weak connection with the charger. Um, yeah, so now if the generator isn't going to run the... Well, I think it's because it's hooked into the... To the um, inverter in this power shed and what I can do is just bring the generator over and plug the RV directly into it and that would be a way to avoid any kind of fluctuations with the inverter um, I thought he, yeah there it goes out again I thought he disconnected it but it looks like it's still kind of doing this weird thing 
So I might want to just pull that back over here because ultimately until the sun comes out again, that inverter is maybe trickle charging a little bit with just solar radiation, but it's not, I'm wasting gas essentially, I think, um, having it plugged in over there so that it can be slightly quieter. Um, anyway, so my big thing though was that it's possible that the um, not correct, not entirely correct, but yet some components, really all the components were there, but that it wasn't maybe ideal um, or perfect or complete, um, there's a possibility that my rainmaking machine actually is the reason for this crazy weather. Um, and that would be kind of amazing if it were true. So, and I'm like, bring it on, it's fine, whatever, you know, obviously if the wet cycle could be expanded a little bit in this area, I think that's a very good thing. Um, the land is very parched and you know, I mean, using a generator isn't the end of the world. Um, I don't like the dependency on someone else. I'm not against the petroleum industry at all. I think that's a big crock. But uh, I don't like the dependency on, on an external source. So anyway, more exploration is needed into backup uh, methods for heating and powering things and um, redundant systems for same but uh, I think I'm going to go out and disconnect the generator from it's it's plugged into the power shed right now. And yeah, yeah, I just went out again. So I'm going to go do that so that I just have consistent internet. And if I'm going to run the generator, that's the only reason I'm running it because my house battery is probably fine because I ran it yesterday. So I'm going to go do that. But anyway, I just was like, huh, I did run the machine for rainmaking. I did run it. I ran it for several days and this has been the wettest fall the wettest it's been the yeah it's been the wettest fall and i i makes that inspires me to look into historical records to see like maybe not historical records but like you know like the last let's say 10 years in this area i just see if there's any kind of you know blip because it would be interesting that you know maybe even that machine even works when it's not even all set up all the way correctly so but yeah that's that is a possibility it definitely is a possibility Well, the power was on all night long and then this morning it went out for about an hour and a half. Um, it looks like the, you know, the uh, full battery charge that I, for the first time ever, had acquired um, drained down to about a quarter or something like that and it just kicked down for not enough charge, not enough voltage is I guess how it's written in the manual as far as what the error code was. Um, but I was able to finally get it going again, and although there's no sunshine, it's complete clouds, like fog all the way down to the ground. You can't see more than maybe 200 feet in front of you. Um, there's no horizon at all, but I have, in my experience, found that when there's fog, it means that it's going to be a sunny day. <clears throat> and the forecast was for it becoming, you know, the sun coming out yesterday. I wasn't here yesterday. Somebody who lives here posted a little sliver of blue sky, so it doesn't look like they really maybe did get a lot of sun, um, but maybe they did. I don't know, because when I drove in really in the evening towards dusk and stuff, I could see that, you know, I could see 
pretty far and I could, you know, it was, there were, there was, uh, there were patches of blue sky. So I'm, I'm hopeful that today the sun will come out. It's, there's a higher degree of solar radiation that almost looks like sunlight. Um, so I'm thinking it's, it's a possibility. <laughs> I'm still wearing the, uh, new wool, um, blazer that I got at a thrift store a few days ago. I ripped out the shoulder pads first thing and, um, just want to make sure that I stay warm because I'm going to be working outside today in a cafe and I'm really excited to see kind of how the trees and plants respond, um, you know, in the, in the coming seasons to this big dose of rain we got, um, in the fall, which is just awesome timing for plants. So I did just do a scrape test on the, the branch from the Wiesatch that I took from the main road and it is still green and it's been I would say week and a half since I put it in the ground so there is a chance that it will survive I'm not super hopeful though it could just be like you know green because it's been wet pretty much since I stuck it in the ground <laughs> so I just really don't know how well it roots and that's something that I'll just have to observe the willows, I think, are golden. They are most likely all going to root or have already begun rooting. They probably started rooting as soon as I put them in the ground. But the fact that we got all this extra moisture and overcast conditions um, is just ideal for trying to help them root. So I'm really hopeful for those. And um, yesterday was a resounding success. I not only got the car Ins uh, inspected and registered finally so yay <laughs> but also I got it detailed just I did it myself while waiting for doggo to get out of surgery and uh, but we got doggo's uh, horrible abscess tooth removed she's on the mend she's on um, antibiotics and uh, man it was the cutest thing I've ever seen when she got <laughs> When I picked her up, they wanted me to give her another hour because she actually still couldn't walk. So when I came and got her like at closing time, I came back to get her, um, she just couldn't walk very straight at all. She looked so drunk and her eyes, oh my God, she already has a googly eyed thing going on. I think it's because she's part wolf, very um, forward facing eyes are closer together than uh, nor normal dogs. And, um, but this was just like Google to the max. She looked basically almost retarded. But um, it was so cute, and um, she <laughs> should have got more pictures. I just got one picture, but I should have definitely got more because it was like a commemorative moment in her life. So she's now um, gonna be a much happier dog, I'm guessing, once all the you know the healing is complete. She still looks at me a little bit like you know I'm I'm still healing. I'm I'm still a little slow. I can tell you know she's a little calm, and and uh, her energy's lower. But uh, she had, she could walk straight today. I took her on, on a few, I, I let her out a few times. I walked around with her a few times in the middle of the night. It kind of sucked, but you know, I wanted to make sure she was okay. And I uh, had her inside, of course. And then um, we, we actually went on a little bit of a walk with a leash and she just, I just kind of let her lead me around. And she went and you know, there's weird little paths that dogs take, you know, and they're not restrained. Humans walk in straight lines and dogs do not. <laughs> they, they wind all over the place. And I just let her lead me around and um, she peed twice, so that was good. And then just, um, she was walking straight, um, still, 
you know, kind of strange, but definitely walking in a straight line at that point. And then her, when I woke up this morning, her eyes were no longer, you know, extra googly. They were normal. Um, <laughs> I had the temporary fear, like, what if the, you know, what if whatever they gave her would make her permanently like that? And I was like, well, I'll just love her anyway because she's so adorable and she's my dog and, you know, whatever. She deserves to be loved. But, like, it was a little bit of a fear because I had worked for this family briefly uh, many years ago whose daughter had been given a steroid and had been blinded and may, and given um, temporary, uh, or what do you call it, um, short-term memory loss. So she literally wouldn't remember what you what she did that day or the day before. She only had the short-term memory. So it was really tragic. And, um, you know, they were awarded like $2 million lawsuit, I think. And so I, ha I w they wanted me to go drive her brand new Jeep home from the dealership with her in it. It was kind of a weird privilege to be able to be you know tapped to to take on or whatever but <laughs> anyway so I've just always kind of been a little bit like wary of medical stuff and especially steroids and they didn't give her steroids thank god but um but when I tried to take my cat in in California they wanted to give him a steroid so I'm kind of like I don't know about steroids but uh, also just the medical profession in general, you know, I think the number, it's like either the number one or the number two leading cause of death in the United States is actually medical. Like, like when you go in for something and they fuck it up, like that's actually one of the main causes of death in the U.S. And I don't think most people know that because of course the media is, they're all just so corrupt and like working together, it's a big cabal. So you wouldn't know that, but um, yeah. So it's like, I mean, avoid hospitals at all costs because they're what kill you in a lot of cases. And then, you know, with the, what are those breathing machines that they were putting everybody on during this, the scamdemic? Those were killing people right and left. Um, I was going past the sheriff's station um, and for the first time I, I was able to remind myself like I don't have to be nervous because I'm, I finally got the vehicle registered. <laughs> and you know what that also means is that the um, schizophrenic um, ex-convict emotionally abusive ex-boyfriend if he were to steal, like take the car, like break in and get it, he would be guilty of grand theft auto. Um, and I hope that he just sees the registration sticker and realizes that he has no, you know, he can't, because I think this whole time he's just assumed that it's like partly his, even though he didn't pay anything for it and all that. So that's like a measure of comfort as well. And it was a relief to be able to be like, oh yeah, I don't have to, you know, be hyper vigilant when I drive past. <laughs> They have much bigger fish to fry than my struggles to get the things on the car fixed in order to get it inspected and registered. Much bigger things with the border crisis. I mean, you know, they're very busy, so it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing. The Divine Comedy uh, is uh, playing itself out. I 
went to glue hot glue on the uh, light panel one of the it's like a third brake light essentially on my vehicle and um, for whatever reason it wasn't coming on like it had when I had tried it the first time uh, many months ago and held on to this big old light and I, I failed inspection last time because of that my mechanic forgot to fix that for me and told me I was legal and uh, <laughs> so, so I draw so I, I go and uh, bought, a, bought a portable glue gun <laughs> and um, it's not charged it doesn't come charged so I'm like all right well I get so I drive over to the mechanics just to make sure that I got it connected correctly before I glue it and uh, <laughs> I'm just laughing because it's just ridiculous but um so he rigs up this like dopey looking light that he just like alien tapes onto the back of the vehicle and I drive over the inspector passes me gives me a good handshake we have a nice connection it's actually kind of outstanding and remarkable um he's 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 been through a lot of shitty people like I have but uh, anyway um so then I drive over to the to the office to get it registered and their system is down there's a big sign on the door I'm just like mm-hmm, yep that's that's how that goes <laughs> so anyway um I'm gonna try calling them after lunch she said that their AT&T's hopefully gonna come in and do it and so it may be that I can't get it registered today even despite everything oh my god it's like demons are just trying to make me fail <laughs> So this morning went pretty well. I found someone who was a very reasonable price after talking with someone who came recommended to me by my listing agent, but was actually insulting um, in his response to my request for, you know, uh, his availability and, you know, interest in taking the project rate, etc. <laughs> so it worked out great. Um, and we got the, this morning we got, uh, we took, it, it's so weird because it only ended up taking one piece of plywood. I was thinking it would take a, take two sheets, but I was able to get half, a little over half of the opening on the A-frame covered with a permanent wall. And then the other half used the cut piece to create the door from the, the cut piece off of that main piece of plywood. So, and we did a lot of cut, like specialized cutting. We had to really work to get it right. And, uh, but it's in there. And what I'm gonna need to do is rig up some sort of latching mechanism for holding the door open when they open it. Cause right now it, you know, it, it it's kind of a little heavy and I, I think it would be kind of awkward. But I bet you what I could do is just put a simple like I, bolt in the door where right where it hits the one of the two by fours of the frame of the a-frame and just put a little simple gate latch that they can clip it to hold it open and I think that would be perfect leaves a lot of space they do have to have the room you know leave that opening you know for open first you can't put their stuff there so the door can get can open but I don't think that's too big of a deal I think it's really nice that it opens inward and the main work I'm going to have to do is do some sanding to get that door so it's not 
um, as snug as it is, and then some weatherizing strips to fill the gaps, which I need to do on the whole thing. Anyway, I didn't get enough spray foam. The spray foam I had didn't push correctly out of the nozzle or it was, it was just weird. I don't know. It wasn't acting normal. <laughs> um, but to get that thing sealed up and then I want to do some cool artistic stuff on there for them. And I think what I'm going to do is put one of the metal birds that I was given by the guy who I helped move. He was moving his whole operation down to Mexico and I helped him move. And in payment, he gave me a bunch of junk. And I think what I want to do is put one of those metal birds he, he kind of foisted on me <laughs> um, on the on the wall, the exterior um, of the left side where I did just a wall where it doesn't open because I think it would look cool. And rusted wood or rusted metal, sorry, on wood, I think looks cool. It adds to it, you know, adds to the look. And I think, um, but I don't think I'm going to try to paint right now because it's, it's a, I've got a lot of other things I need to do before Thanksgiving and my guests arrive. But um, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. And then on the facing side, I'm going to try to figure out how to affix the other bird because that would be, that'd be pretty cool. And it would, they would, uh, it would make sense. But I think for now, I'm not going to be able to do that because it's going to be a little more involved because it's metal on metal. I do have some JB weld. I could try that and just see if it sticks. But it would be kind of fun and it would look cool. Definitely would look cool. So um, I'm really excited. And then that gives me a whole wall space that I can actually attach things to. So I can give them a place to hang their coat, you know. And so I'm really just excited that I finally went and got that to happen. I, I executed my vision and I had a helper and it went really well. It all worked out um, how I had hoped and no major mistakes were made and uh so i'm very pleased that that's gonna have an enclosure now for the guests and um while i was kind of waiting for him to do a cut or two i went over and i got the new shade sale over to the community area and got started after he left i started hooking it up and i realized that the it's totally the wrong dimensions so I'm going to have to put in a new post, a whole new post <laughs> to actually ha have it work at all. So that's a bummer. It was by a different manufacturers, completely different dimensions. So ah, another post. Um, but I want to try to get that in for the guests because I've got three different parties coming in around the Thanksgiving holiday. One is going to be camping out and I'm going to go dig them a fire pit here in a minute. So they can have a private fire pit. And then I think I'm going to do a little bit of brush clearing just to make sure they have enough space. And I went over there to that campsite recently and kind of noticed it's it's a little more snug. And I, I think they have like a family of four. So I'd like it to be a little open for them. But uh, yeah, I'll go get a fire pit dug and get some rocks around it, I think. And I'm starting to finally start thinking about the landscaping for the B&B spaces, and that's really exciting. I've started to put in a few yucca and century plants and a few little rocks, but I don't have, I kind of want to go get a bunch more rocks to really do it nicely. Um, but I think I might go over to the river right now and go get the dry river, quote unquote, the river, uh, and get some more willows maybe today. Um, because there is a lot of mud right now from the recent rain storm, and it's just a huge opportunity to, you know, just try more, you know, I mean, it's a free resource. There's, they're in abundance and now's the time. So I might go do that today and then um, just try to use my time today to try to get some more stuff done on the, the B&Bs for the guests because it's just super fun and I'm getting to that point where things are starting to be more like the, the, the foundation is kind of 
there and I can start to improve and build off of that. So that was a really productive morning and I'm going to go out and be productive some more. <laughs> I looked out my loft window this morning and I don't do that very often, but I went ahead and did it for no reason at all. And I saw that the ground is green. I saw that my whole big kind of area, like I guess backyard to the south of my shelter, where it really was just this barren, hot, you know, it had some salt bush, but it was just really kind of dead. Just looked like a desert. Really, really dry and hot and barren. Um, it's covered in plants. It's green. Um, the ground is getting covered. I still don't quite know for sure what that tiny little leafed plant is that's coming up everywhere that I've had any kind of imp imp um, effect on my land. Like anywhere I've done any earthworks or... Well, really, it's where I've done earthworks. And then organic matter, in some cases, has been able to collect in those little depressions. And there's just plants just filling the those areas. Um, but it's just beautiful. I, like, looked... It was because I was looking down on it, it made it more easy to see. Because if I'm looking at the normal human height, <laughs> it's you don't see it as much but looking down on it like that it gave me this overarching view which allowed me to see that the ground is turning green so i think the proof in the pudding will be how long can those plants survive um will they become established given this golden opportunity of a wet fall where they can get root systems established over the the winter the dormant period where plants normally like to put their energy into building a root system so I know that a lot of the white flowered low growing perennial probably it's about gets about eight inches tall that did come in in abundance the first time I did earthworks and had rain and everything in those areas but it a lot of that plant died off because it didn't have the sustained moisture I'm guessing to really keep it going because of rainfall so I left all that dead stem material in place because it provides physical habitat it provides shade for the ground it also provides erosion control and it will collect other organic debris that's washed downstream across the land and indeed that's what's been happening and then I'll see like this year I see there's tons of little plants coming in in areas where I just have either the dead plants from last time or there's some wood I've, you know, some old dead wood I've laid down. Um, but it's amazing what can happen when you just give it a little nudge. It just starts to take off. So I'm guessing that those little baby plants that are unrecognizable right now because they're just little teeny weeny little sprouts could be that white flowered perennial. It seems like it's a pioneer plant out here where, you know, if you're not familiar with pioneer plants what that is is they will come in first into a um you know disturbed area and they'll get the ground covered so that it can start they can start building the conditions for other plants to come in in succession and that's the climb towards the climax ecosystem that nature automatically 
does if undisturbed. And even when disturbed, it still will send in pioneer plants. So I'm guessing that's what that one is. <clears throat> and I still have to wait to see what happens, you know, as it grows and develops more leaves and I can start identifying the leaves, then I'll be able to figure out what the heck it is. But also like my planting bed that I have in front to the north where I walk in and I've got the uh, Chinese pistache growing. Um, I have a couple of uh, century plants I put in into that bed, but, and I've got some grasses that have, that have uh, started. I actually got those grasses started elsewhere on the property from nothing. And I transplanted them successfully. So they actually did take and they are thriving in that bed and it's really just greening up. So that bed is, is, you know, coming up to my, to my entry. I, I couldn't help but notice it, you know, the other day. I was like, wow, that bed is green. There's like, it's filling with plants. This is just ideal, right? One of the, I wanna talk about one of the, this is so interesting to me. So I think I found the formula for getting mesquites established and, and I think it's the same formula or very similar for getting them to grow extremely fast. The other garden bed that I had dug out, I got down about, maybe a foot and I'd added compost too. Um, I hadn't planted it yet because I've just been dragging my feet and doing other things as far as not getting a winter garden in. I think it was discouraged from the summer garden just not growing anything. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the bed just sat there and after this big rainstorm I noticed that there were no less than five mesquite babies that had come up in it and so I'm going to basically pull four of those out. I'm going to buy these deep taproot pots and I'm going to propagate those for someone who's requested trees from me. And um, I'm going to leave one and I'm going to encourage it because I could, I really would love to have a tree there. It's a perfect spot actually. So I didn't put seeds in there. They just were there apparently and I, I mean maybe I put seeds in there but I don't think I did I might have put one <laughs> but it's this these conditions um, that seem to really just make mesquites grow readily and hopefully as fast as, as another one in that other depressed bed that I have um, there's quite a few trees coming up where I put seeds and I think I might have some Weesatch over on the west side in my system that I built over there. I'm not sure yet, it's a little too soon to tell, but it did look like there were three leaflets rather than, or three leaves rather, made up of leaflets, is I think how you would say that, um, rather than the two that mesquites have. So I'm hopeful. I did put, I'm gonna do a, uh, drip stake over that. I did get enough bottles in for the drip stakes I bought. I don't know how successful they'll be. When I did, um, I just decided since it was like seltzer water, I went ahead and just turned them upside down with the water in them. But I, I don't know if it was the bubble action, but it all almost all drained out right away. It did reach a level where it stopped draining out, but it might also just be because I had the, you know, that little container part of the drip stake was, un, was not level. So that's something I should probably do is get them in the ground, get them leveled, and then add the bottle. <laughs> Which is sort of weird, because if you're adding the bottle, you're wiggling it, so I don't know. But I did get them all set out there, and I want to do a bunch more. 
um, just to kind of try to help the plants. And it's going to be interesting to see. I think what I'll do is I need to get some spray foam and figure out how to get the spray foam into the tires for the little cart that I bought that's been flat since I bought it so that I can actually haul bottles back and forth to be filled. That would probably be the best way to do it. That's kind of the perfect thing. It would fit a lot of bottles. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the plan, I guess. But everything should be super good to go for the fall. I, you know, I'll, I'll probably keep an eye on the clay pots as usual. Um, but no need to do that right now because everything's so hydrated. So I wanted to tell you about a walk I took around the property yesterday and I found lots of opportunities to add trees and what I'm doing is desert willow branches. I had mentioned previously that a former employer had told me, I didn't ask, but she had just mentioned, yeah, she just started those willows over there from sticking branches in the ground and it just like dawned on me like a light bulb went off like desert willow is still a willow right willows tend to root from cuttings even in the desert though I would that blew me away so I, I had never even entertained the possibility so I just I, like a light bulb went on and I was like ho oh, oh. <laughs> so um when I was walking around yesterday I saw all these amazing areas where the where the the amount of rainfall we got is just it gave a it gave a lot of opportunity for like I mean, there's a lot of really moist areas and it's so neat what the rain shows me on the ground. You know, and after it rains, I can really see like, okay, where are the wet spots? And yesterday even adding willows that I went and got uh, cuttings of, I just was placing them in areas where that, you know, it looked mucky, it looked muddy. Cause you know, you have the visual cue of how really just moist it looks. But then you also have like, okay, does the branch go in to the ground, right? How far does it go in? So I was able to get a bunch more in and you know, it remains to be seen how they're gonna take, but it, it's really ideal conditions, I would say. So there's a chance that some of them will survive and that's epic. So I went and got a bunch more today. I got much smaller diameter, much more, um, much smaller, much thinner branches this time. Um, I just wanted to see what would happen. It's gonna be harder to push them into the ground because they're flimsier. But if I'm gentle, I can probably get it done. And it just allowed me to get a lot more um, that I could carry. So I'm gonna go around. I went, I went and um, put them in a bucket of water because I have stuff I have to do today. And then I'll get them probably, I'll try to do it tomorrow maybe. Tomorrow afternoon maybe would be good. I don't have some time. Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go out to the farthest reaches of the property and in particular the more arid area. There's a couple spots I really want to focus on. One is the big desertified arid um, area to it's it's basically the it's not it's not a full half, but it's I would say it's like a sixth, maybe a sixth of the property. It's a barren area to the southeast. So southeast quadrant of, well not a quadrant, it'd be a sixth dent or something like that, but it's a one sixth most likely, something like that. So 
I want to do is, you know, anywhere there's, you know, where I've, I've dug a hole, where there's any kind of um, earthworks, I haven't done a ton out there. I did have a couple um, water boxes out there though. And those, those holes are, I mean, I shoved one willow into one of those and it went down very deep, deeper than probably any of the others I've, I've done. So those are obvious spots, but I kind of want to try to support those willows by putting trees, you know, getting trees help each other, plants help, help each other with microclimate creation, um, shade and that kind of thing, water attracting, especially with trees. And so having those trees out in the middle, um, I really owe it to them. I felt to go ahead and add more, as many as I can in areas that make sense, right? That there's any kind of water collection happening. There's little stream rivulets that go across and those I'm gonna be trying to put willows in. I'm also gonna to try to put a bunch of willows in the old gully on the front of my property. And then there's a bunch of um, spots along the traveling bar chan, along that edge, where it's just really moist and there's plants kind of, you know, it's growing, right? And I wanna put some willows along that because that'll just really enhance the growth of the bar chan and it'll also give the trees a really good chance of making it. So I'm just, Really excited that I'm getting this extended opportunity to plant so many things, mostly trees. And um, I've got a whole bucket full of willow branches ready for the next um, planting. And I'm, I'm really excited that I'm gonna be able to do the more barren area of the property. Now, I have a ton of earthwork I plan to do out there. I just haven't done it. So maybe what I'll do is just bring that bucket with me. It's something I can carry in with one hand. And that's one of the reasons I got those smaller branches was because they're just easier to carry. So I can just carry that bucket out with me and then bring a little shovel with me and maybe even do some little earthworks for the willows as I'm planting them. second day of working on the B&Bs and getting a lot done this weekend um, and today. I'm going to do a little bit more tomorrow as well, but I've dug two new uh, two new fire pits. I'm going to dig another one tomorrow. I'm giving everybody private fire pits as well as the community one. Um, I added landscaping throughout and that's been really fun using rocks and native plants. Um, I replaced one of the unit's lighting, the strand lights, one of them broke for some reason and, um, and I had to replace the whole thing because they're strung in such a way where if one bulb is out, the whole thing is out, which is, is a bummer, but you know, they're, uh, they're worth it. They look awesome. And then, uh, I had to replace a shade sail, which meant that I had to do a new post for that shade sail because the new shade sails dimensions were totally different from the old shade sail so I literally had to move the move the one of the like well I, what I did was I added a new post so that if I order depending on you know which company I guess I get things from which I'm going to pay more attention to now um the then I'll still at least you know I won't have to like keep moving the post or adding new posts <laughs> so um and then um I built a wall on one of the units so I still have more to do, like I said, but it's just looking really cool and it's super fun to be able to, you know, appoint units for hosting people. It's just really neat to be able to create space. And I'm reminded of how powerful plants are 
um, to, to create space. They bring an atmosphere and an energy and, an, and a consciousness with them. I mean, they are living things, but they create architecture out of thin air uh, with their bodies. And so they definitely, you know, they create a, a feeling of place like really right away as soon as they're in. And um, it's just so cool to stand back and see the impact. So been very busy all weekend and then kind of last end of last week as well and then I just have one more push tomorrow been pretty tired was pretty sleepy all weekend caught up on a lot of sleep that I haven't been getting so that was really nice and um yeah so just you know and and one of the cool things was I it's been what a year a year and a half it's been a year and a half and I've never had to empty the compost toilet in all that time. Now granted I don't have a ton of guests. Um, I, I had, didn't have guests coming and staying in that um, and using the toilet you know for a long time. So um, but even then with all the guests I have had this is the first time I've ever changed it out and I didn't I did, wouldn't have even needed to but I went ahead and did it anyway and um, it was just such a small amount. It, it's kind of amazing how it composts down with that sawdust. So Anyway, that was a, that was the first time I've done that, and it's really good. Um, to it's a good feeling to get that kind of done and to see how that worked and see how it you know how to handle it and yeah. Um, and then what's it, it's interesting you know I think people forget we have power and it not just like constitutionally in the United States where I live, people really forget that and they need to remember they need to read the Constitution they need to understand the, their rights we really have to right now it's very important but uh we also don't really understand our power as consumers quote unquote but you know I had written a review of the company that I buy the little rodent repellent balls from and I had said that the smell was a little was like kind of like mothballs or snake repellent and it wasn't very pleasant and it was less mint than it was you know kind of said and that they dis when they disintegrated they turned into like a little pile of powder that was hard to clean and um, but otherwise I really liked them and they worked as long as you remember to just replace them every you know in a timely manner and um, and the next batch I ordered from that company they had changed the balls to be harder they had changed the scent to be really pleasant now there's no odor of mothballs anymore it's just really mint it's awesome and they had included these little mesh, fine mesh bags that you put the balls in so that when they do break down, you don't have a mess afterwards. So it's nice to see they are listening and they're responding very quickly. So I'm really happy that they've improved their product because it's a great product already, but just a few little tweaks really makes it like pretty sweet. So I'm definitely gonna stay with them. Um, but yeah, everything's coming along. Um, I've got, again, more work to do on the A-frame tomorrow. I'm gonna be um, changing out the screws. I, I haven't been able to find a source of really small screws. The hardware store won't, you know, I don't know if they won't carry them, they just don't. And um, the smallest screws I was able to get from them were actually still pretty large, like I think one and a quarter inches. And what I need is like maybe like a quarter of an inch to a half inch long screws. So I was just fishing through my screws, you know, bag and digging through there and trying to find little tiny screws. And I think I found enough, but I have to switch out all the screws for the hinges for the door because they were sticking out through the through the door itself and would have scratched people and hurt people. So I have to, um, I'm, I'm gonna change those tomorrow. Um, I got the A-frame sealed in, in areas that I had not reached before. We used uh, some new cans of spray foam for that. 
or the, the cracks. Uh, let's see, I think it's called, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's just, um, it only expands to about an inch. So it's like made for little cracks and crevices. But anyway, I got that done and um, only managed to get it on my skin in a few places <laughs> this time. Uh, need to remember to use gloves every single time I ever use spray foam again. But it'll, it inevitably will get on my leg or something. Um, you know, it, it'll blow onto me. It's weird stuff. It's really, really, it's really hard to clean stuff. It's very difficult to work with if it's still wet. As you know, if you've ever used spray foam. Um, I used it when in Oregon, I used to drive on this highway uh, past this big place that had this giant spray foam eagle on the front of it. And I always just thought it was such a weird, like, what? Like, <laughs> what is this? And, um, sorry, I just kind of have a funny memory from Oregon. But, um, all the power is back on. The sun is out again. It's a bit windy and cooler today, but I'm getting a lot done. And uh, tomorrow I'll be um, cleaning and changing out the linens and just making everything nice again in the A-frame. I really like that I put that wall and door on there for many reasons, but one is that I can use that wall and I added a little um, pretty thing that they can hang things on, um, like, like a you know, hoodie or their sunglasses or whatever. So there's more places to put stuff. And then I added a little cubby. It's actually a little, um, box that I found that had multiple compartments in it. And I hung it up on the wall for them to like put, you know, whatever keys, lip balm, whatever they, you know, and I added a few card games and some, like, a, I think one of them has a, um, scavenger hunt for kids and I'm going to be doing a horseshoe pit and I think with the landscaping, I have to kind of rethink where it will go, but I think I know where it's going to go. I think it's actually going to go past the community area and into the barrens over near the campsites because there's not anything else there anyway. And I think that would draw more engagement and more, you know, activity, give people more to do, you know, beyond, you know, where the most of the activities already currently are located. So I think it's a great, a great place to put that is out by the campsites. And uh, I did put a fire pit for the campsite that's being booked over the Thanksgiving holiday. So they have their own private fire pit and then I'll be adding fire pits to the other two and slowly just improving. And it's really cool to be able to have that foundation established, then, you know, take a breather and then start building up from that foundation to really start improving and tweaking and just, you know, continuing to make it more and more rich and interesting and enjoyable for people. And uh, so getting a lot done and working really hard and tiring myself out, which is always good because then you sleep better. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to tell you about Doggo. She was so good today. I've been uh, making the effort to, to let her off leash only when I'm outside with her. And it really is making a difference with when I'm not around, she just takes off. She'll come back. But when I'm outside, she loves hanging out with me and she'll run around and be near me. And she's, it's just such good training for her. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll call her. I, I try not to let her get too far. If she gets out of sight and I'm not sure where she is, I'll call her and she'll come. And that's really awesome. And then today I was finishing up for the day and I'm heading back to the, to our camper. And I look over and she's just standing there looking at me like, you know, like thinking to herself, should I go on a ramble and, you know, take off? I don't really want to go. And I just stopped and I looked at her and I said, come. And she totally did. She, she came and she walked right next to me the whole way over there. I mean, it was like, this is such good behavior and it's slowly building. She's slowly really starting to, to get it. And I've just been practicing with her in terms of being, you know, having certain times when she can be off leash 
Like there's a spot in town where I take her and I let her run around this really large area with lots of people and other dogs. And um, that's been really excellent for her as well. Good training because it's a pub I mean, it's a public place. It's a big risk if she doesn't come back. I'm stuck there until she comes back, you know, like, you know, so so far she's been great. And when it gets dark, I usually will put her on a leash um, if I'm downtown like that with her. And she's she's by then exhausted and will lay with me and, you know, right next to me. And so she's really been good. But um, but yeah, so I was really proud of her. She's she's uh, she's coming along and um, she's just healed from her oral surgery. Her teeth are cleaned. She's lost her googly eye. I, I don't remember if I told you this or not, but um, yeah, but she's just looking like um, really beautiful and healthy and. I can tell just much happier and I can feel her energy and I can see her energy and they're both, it's just like, it's clean. And you know, the obstruction has been removed. The thing that was like this energetic block, this heavy, this brokenness is gone because we removed it. So she's just pretty happy now. So I'm, I'm really happy that she's happy. So yeah. And the only other thing I'll, I'll tell you right now is that uh, the tanks I think are about two thirds to three quarters full because of all the rain that we got this year. And that's, that is like, to me, wealth. I feel rich. I feel abundant and wealthy because I have all this water in the desert. And that's kind of a neat feeling as well. It's really comforting and gratifying. Wow, so this is really hard. Um, <laughs> I just got a text from the listing agent, and uh, she said there's, she said there's buyers. I don't. I mean, obviously they need to see it. I would hope they would see it if they can. Um, I mean, I didn't before I bought it, but still, I mean, if you have the means, you should see it. But my reaction surprised me a little bit. I got very emotional. And I started crying. I was weeping. And I was like, and it's like this, um, I think it was a hawk. It was like a bird of prey. It was pretty big. It might have, I don't think, maybe it wasn't a hawk. It was big. And it was high up and it called. And, all, ah. and I just, I was just like, I got all weepy and I'm like, Meh, I don't want to sell. I love my property. I don't want to, I don't want to leave it. I put so much energy into it and it's just so it's thriving and it's like there's so much happening on it and there's so many trees and there's like all the willows I put in I just put in a bunch more desert willow branches because I was heading past the river banks where all the you know willows are growing and you can cut branches I'm like might as well get some more it's still muddy um it's a little harder to push them in now but it just depends on where you go in a lot of spots there's it's still total mud and like the traveling bar chan is very wet still and, and stuff like that but uh I, I think i'm done now i got it i got as many as i i want i think um i could always do more in certain spots but i think for now this is good i'm finally kind of feeling like okay i got i don't you know i've got really everywhere i wanted but anyway and i've been spending all my last few days like uh really working on the bnbs because you know i, I did fire pits for them i wanted to, to add fire, private fire pits for each unit um, you know, just little things like getting a new curtain for the little, um, one of the little glampers and 
putting a, you know, the big thing, I guess, putting a door on the A-frame, of course, as I talked about, but I've just been working on them a lot. And the shade sale, there's a new shade sale finally up at the community area. I put some signs up. I've got all these new plants around the area. And it just has this fucking awesome vibe. Okay, so I want to stop for a second because the whole reason I wanted to make this recording was because of the buyer, potential buyer. And it, it just like how it made me feel really sad. And I, you know, like I, I've fallen in love with my property. Well, I'm driving over to the, the patch because I want to try to make myself feel better. <laughs> remind myself of what the heck the trade-off is so that I'm not just all one-sided because I haven't been visiting the patch at really I mean I had it on my calendar but I just haven't been doing it and I just turned down the road heading there and there's this stunning view the whole drive down this road of this mesa in the far background far distance it's not that far actually it's really right there and then this mountain this hill that I call Yoda Hill because there's a Yoda in it. And just the, the you, it has a feeling, this road has a feeling of being nestled down into the greenery and the landscape rather than up high where there's sparse landscape. I don't know how to explain it. I don't understand why it's like that. There might just be more plants in general, but there's just something about this road. And I just turned and was hit with this view and it was like the first little moment where I'm like, okay, it's gonna be okay. You know, if I if I do sell, it's going to be okay. But man, I've become very attached. I think investing all that energy and time and money and putting all those plants in, you know, it was a risk and I did it intentionally knowing, you know, that it was going to be an emotional thing and it would gonna, would, would involve more work because some transplanting. I'm not going to take out the willows, but, you know, I will take a few trees with me, I think, because, I mean, the, is the new owner even going to live there? They're probably just going to Airbnb it. You know, but it'll be a sanctuary, um, for sure, in that case. But anyway, I'm just, I'm going to go visit the patch briefly before I head to my next uh, job. I have a couple jobs today. Um, because I want to remind myself of what the trade-off is and what the value, what the benefit, you know, is if I were to sell. If my property sells, I can rebuild everything. I'll have a budget, you know, and I'm good at it, apparently. I think construction I need some help with obviously I'm not a construction person I'm not a specialist in that area but uh you know I can hire helpers and whatnot and I'll have the budget to be able to do it so I'm definitely I don't have the heart connection to this property this I'm at the patch now I, I don't I don't have a heart connection to it I haven't spent any time on it really I you know it's every time I've moved, I've always felt like it's the stuff that makes the place. And the stuff is like, you know, what you've done to connect with the place and work with the place and create a place out of the space. Um, so I'm hoping by visiting this other property right now that I will somehow feel encouraged um, because this is like really hard for me and I'm actually I was thinking I need to talk to my attorney and I have been I haven't been doing it I've been procrastinating well because I've been busy too but when just ask like hey do I have an out what do I do I lose my five thousand dollar deposit if I change my mind because obviously they can't just take my property until I sign it until I sign the agreement you know sales whatever it's called sales agreement something like that 
I mean, obviously, but losing 5,000 bucks, that, that is a huge risk. And I knew I was taking the risk with that money. And right now that's a lot of money for me. And, um, yeah, so I think I just have to understand, like, let them read, let the attorney read the, uh, the contract that's signed. I don't think that I've had my attorney look at that. Um, and just get a sense of like, okay, well, what are my options? Do it. Can I get out of this if I want to? So one thing I'm noticing, and you probably hear the crunching of the grass beneath my feet. It's, um, as I've said before, a very dense layer of organic material on a large portion of the property. What I'm noticing is the tall grass has started to die back. It's brown instead of green now. And it's got less of a, what's the word, presence to it. A little easier to see um, into the space where it is. And um, I'm just finding a little spot here, kind of surrounded by trees, right up near the grass. And um, I'm kind of wondering if this would be another alternative for where the RV could go while I build. Because it does have some, there's definitely some nicer, taller trees to the south. You can maybe hear the wind blowing through them. And that would be good shade protection. And there's a bunch to the west. Wow, I can't believe I didn't see this before. I wonder why. Maybe it was because there was a bunch of grass, but I don't think so. I must have just overlooked it. But this would be, and this is also in view of the building site that I selected. Yeah, this is this maybe is the spot. <laughs> Big, beautiful mesquites. Really good view still of the uh, the mace I was telling you about. Nice privacy from the road. Um, yeah, actually. Now there's this vine that's coming up in this area that's fairly... I don't know if I would call it invasive because I don't know what it is, but it's growing over the trees. It makes it look kind of swampy. Halloween-y and one of the things I thought about when I was here last time which was a while ago now maybe a month ago I would probably take all that vine and pull that out down out of the trees and clean up you know clean up the uh, and you know and also to get trees to get bigger out here one thing and I think this is in general too um, just from what I've researched could be wrong but is the chop and drop you know to try to encourage that tall central leader um, so I might want to do something like that too in certain areas, but there's so much to work with here. I mean, the view is pretty interesting too. Like looking out to the north, I can see a lot of dead branches from old trees um, ensconced in the vine that I'm talking about with new trees all around. And then this beautiful, huge mountain range in the far distance. Actually, it's not that far. It's just right there, but it's like, you know, it's pretty massive. And some hills below that, I could see a few dwellings. Um, which is encouraging. I like to see other people around. They're really pretty far away, but just to see them is comforting. But the view reminds me of an African savanna. So I could get used to that. I could get used to the view to the northwest, which has more of a big hill. It's green, spotted with green, but fairly dry for my taste. But looking out over the grass, the huge grass area is really kind of nice. And being able to see the home site that I selected and, you know, that would be inspiring. Um, and then I could see one of my neighbors at the end of my old road directly to the east from where I'm standing. 
and uh, to the south, the view is obscured um, because of the trees. I can still see stuff through, you know, peeking through. But really what it is, is it'd be more about shade and windbreak. And this, this spot, I may have actually finally found the spot. I've been not to totally sure about those other spots that I was looking at. But, yeah, I don't know why I never noticed this one before. It would take some clearing to drive the RV in here. That's fine. So I'm already starting to feel a little bit more like, you know, the possibilities and encouraged to find a, a spot that could be, you know, have the shelter from the two sides that are get really, you know, the hottest. Um, the western shelter isn't as good. It's a pretty small tree right there. But there is a larger tree further over. And so I think that it could provide at least some shelter from that. And, you know, I'd put up a shade structure. So I want to wander over to the home site. But yeah, my heart is very connected to water, being having been born on a houseboat and lived the first nine years of my life on the water, like literally on it. Um, that makes sense that I'm connected to the water and I'm my heart is connected to it. But all that water flowing across my current property is pretty much so neat and such a great opportunity. And I've been working with it really intensively this fall. And made so much progress and just had pretty epic experience really um, working with it planting trees and that's the main thing but i'm just seeing all the plants come in and then my little my experiment with the cloud buster could have had an impact so i'm walking over the home site now beautiful view of the big old huge mountain range to the north and uh as i recall really beautiful stunning really view over the grasses to the mountains to the south. Um, yeah, wow. That's like otherworldly. Something out of King Kong or something. Wow, yeah. And then the view of the mesa to the east and the big old mountain range to the north. They're all pretty good. Nice view of the property, really good view of, of entry, but a lot of privacy from where I would want to put the B&Bs, so. Actually, it's weird. I was thinking I would have to do more planting toward that direction, the, the northwest, but really I'm seeing it's there's a lot of good tree cover. Maybe it was because I haven't gotten as far back before since the grasses are starting to die back. But I'm picturing like a deck where the grasses will come up around the deck, you know? But a lot of this area is really trampled down. Oh wow, cool animal bones. These are like pelvis or something. Oh, neat. Like a jaw. I'm going to take these back. These are cool. Some spine ones. Neat. Taking these with me. Could put these into some sort of cool decoration. <laughs> or give give one to the dog or whatever. Oh, there's another one. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely not feeling bonded to this site yet and I, but I do understand I, at least I think I understand why and that's so I'm like kind of okay with it I'm not I'm not panicking I'm not like oh shit I'm not connecting oh no what does it mean am I not supposed to you know is this a bad deal it's more like my stuff isn't here my life isn't here but I would really miss the water and the flowing water 
which, you know, I've talked about this, I think, before, or I have done a little bit of research into it, but it makes sense to me, too, um, that over time, with riparian restoration, a, you know, a, a flowing water course can be can be made permanent over time. It can, like, if it's ephemeral, which is where I'm at right now, which means it comes up just in storm events, I've got a, I've got a creek, a full, I've got, you know, a multi-rivulated creek, <laughs> Um, and a pond for all intents and purposes. But with riparian restoration, with um, building up the plant community, building up the soil, building up the ecology that it is possible to bring, I guess, how do I, I don't understand necessarily the mechanics fully, but intuitively I do understand them, I feel like. And it's, it's like, I think it has something to do with connecting the energies between the under the ground and above ground, the sky and the earth and the water between those. It, it, it's like, a, cause we know earth, trees draw rain to themselves. Uh, I mean, they're big antennas, right? They're big receivers. So I feel like I could over time, like maybe seven to 10 years, maybe five to 10 years working on the property I have now bring that Creek maybe into some kind of thing. That's more permanent, more, more, or lasts longer. I've watched videos of, they're very obscure, but there are videos documenting projects that they've done. People have done where all they did was they just did, you know, basically water catchment, swale and berm in really degraded riverine areas where there was like ephemeral river action or activity and then they started to see over time that it was more of a perennial system which would be more it's kind of there longer and it's not just you know how do I I don't know how to put it because I'm not like you know this isn't like a technical knowledge that I have it's more of an intuitive and uh, interpolative maybe is the word knowledge but um they started to have longer periods of water flow, wider river, um, you know, the, the river widened out. And then after years of this activity that you kept doing this, the river became permanent. So I know that it's been done. It sort of validates the concept. So I'm definitely not feeling a connection to this property. I, I'm guessing it's because making a recording and holding a cell phone and I'm kind of stressed out kind of anxious and um and I just have I don't have I haven't put any energy into this you know I haven't bonded with it and I'd really like to walk into the grasslands but I ain't doing that without you know with, like I would have I would want to mow a path because there are snakes and I don't want to get bit and day but this property, it would be, you know, my ideal would be to own this property, the property in between my property and this property, and my property, my current one. That would be the perfect scenario because then I could do, I could do wondrous, amazing things with having that full course, like where the water is f flowing to this place, the heaviest, and then the barren patch in between that's just literally carrying water from one to the other and has no catchment and then this place which is the catchment basin so i'm gonna stop recording and sit here for a moment before i have to go 
back to work and try to tune in, man, and see if I can connect. I wanted to tell you about a really amazing experience I'm having with my dog. So today, I practiced what Cesar Milan, the dog whisperer, said in one of the videos I watched where he was trying to teach the dog, the dog's human, that the dog is responding to her energetic state, like her state of mind, her emotions. And it was like Cesar was trying to help the lady kind of understand while she was holding the leash on the, with the dog that like if she would relax herself the dog would respond to her much better because the dog is picking up on her like tension and so today you know I had her off the off leash and just running around with me I've been you know like I said having her outside while I'm outside working um, off the leash and so it's been really good for her I think she wants that companionship and then, you know, whenever I kind of lose track of her visually, I'll say something, you know, and, you know, call her and she'll, she's been coming and it's been pretty great. Um, so then I noticed as I was heading back to the house, to the compound, after kind of finishing the work the second time she was off leash today, I noticed she did that thing where she like kind of, it, she could have just run off for several hours, you know, like off on her own. And I didn't really want her to do that. So I stopped, I looked at her, I said, come. And she just looked at me. She didn't come. She just looked at me. And then I like remembered, I like softened my energy and just relaxed and waited. And she totally just like decided to follow. It was like instant. Like it was so obviously connected to like how I had changed. I'd shifted my energy and then the dog just fell into line immediately. It's very, I mean, I wouldn't even say it's very similar. I would say it's exactly the same as when I've had direct communication with um, other creatures, in particular, one time a spider that I believe I told you about this in this in another episode. Um, but the spider reacted to my stated message, like my when I showed that I appreciated the species. Like, although there's lots of different types of spiders, when I showed that when I said that I appreciated the spider's kind. You know, like I appreciate your kind. Instantly, he they came forward and and drank the water that I that I put out there for it during a drought on a heat wave, and uh, it, it like it was going to withstand the need for water because it didn't trust me until I communicated that I appreciated it, and instantly, just in as soon as I said that out loud, while you know standing there like with my face six inches away from it it just came right over and started drinking the water that I'd offered. And so it's the same exact thing with the dog. And uh, I was just like, yes, she's, it's working. She's doing, you know, like for, I mean, working with this dog for um, over two years now, um, you know, she's, she's just really, it's like, it's just amazing to see things coming together. And, you know, I will say, I didn't plan on saying this, but it really is analogous because one of the biggest things on the pros and cons list that I just made about selling or staying um, is that part of the reason I feel so drawn to just staying where I am is that 
it, things are just starting to finally get off the ground, it feels like, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen. It is a risk. I don't know what's going to happen, you know, next summer. I don't know if any of these plants that have just come in so profusely are going to make it, you know, I don't know if they're all going to die in the heat of the summer, right? Or are they going to be able to get strong root systems over this winter because of the wet fall? You know, that's the hope. That makes sense. But then again, the summers can be really brutal. There's, you know, it's really the solar aspect or this solar, what do they call it? I can't think of the word. There's a word for it where they like the intensity, the solar intensity is so high here that I think it's, it's a really, it's not a normal thing. It's not, well, what is normal really? The, whole, the earth is very diverse, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? It's like, it's really high. <laughs> so it's a risk to think, oh yeah, these, these, this is what's going to happen. This is the established, these, these, all these plants that are just greening my, my land are going to grow in and they're going to become perennialized or they are perennials and they're going to get, you know, become established. They'll, they'll take purchase in the ground. Um, it's really amazing to look at my ground and see green. I mean, just covered, you know, just plants in these patches of just bright, luscious green. It's just, it's, it's a phenomenal thing. And I've been waiting two years to see this and it's finally happening. And it's like, a part of me does not want to leave. A part of me wants to stay and continue to observe and continue to impact this property. But I know, I mean, it's so funny because like, I know that I have completed enough that this property is on its way back to you know just a beautiful oasis it, it it absolutely is i've got the earthworks even if they're not perfect they're having a huge impact which is really visible um i've got you know native seeds coming in that i put it that i put in the ground they're all they're coming up you know i was going to put a willow um near the on the, one of the edges of the traveling bar chan today and i found a mesquite there you know so it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know, th this property is going to be a forest at some point, whether I'm here or not, because I think those native trees are going to grow up. I mean, they're, they're established. And I know that it's, it's like a statistical impossibility that, you know, that all the willows I put in are going to die. Like, I know that some of them are going to make it. I know that probably all of them won't. Um because of the variety of, you know, micro climate kind of situations where each one is, is shoved into the ground. But I'm fairly sure that at least some of them will survive and it only takes that first wave and then you build off of that, you know. And these are just branches. They're not harming the original tree at all, you know. And uh, that original trees are going to put out tons more branches, uh, you know, every time, every year. So it's a perennial resource. It's an it's a infinite resource basically, if used wisely. So, and a part of me really, I mean, God, I mean, like my whole, my whole self, not just a part of me really wants to stick around and see all that happen. So it's, it's a, it's a tough thing when, when things are just starting to get going finally is how it feels. You know, I finally got the timing right. I either attracted a bunch of rain or we just got really lucky for no reason. And, you know, it's like, it's finally lifting off the ground it's no longer me trying to establish a foundation it's the foundation has been established and now i'm starting to be able to build up from there and it's just like man it's cool <laughs> i mean if i do move the very at the very least i will be able to drive by anytime i want and check out 
you know, just look at look at the property, look at this property because it's very visible from the road, and um, just to, just to check it and to see how are the trees coming along, you know, all that. But uh, it's too soon to really panic. I was having a very emotional time earlier, as I mentioned, but you know, I've calmed down just a little bit, cried it out a little bit, um, and then just uh, you know. Um, tried to be practical and take practical steps to kind of calm myself down and feel better and like know that either way it's probably going to be okay and um, you know I did my pros and cons list and of course you know the practical um, you know logical thing to do is to carry out the plan and move to the new property because and I think that the, the biggest I mean I was there earlier and I picked up a handful, you know, I dug down a little bit. It was very saturated, or not saturated, it was very hydrated soil under about, I'd say, two to four inches of organic mulch covering it. I mean, it's just fucking ideal, right? And I picked up a handful of the very light, fluffy, friable, I mean, it's something I noticed right away, similar to how I was talking about um, the two samples I took from here and there and comparing them. Visually, they weren't that different, but in terms of the texture and the weight, very different. Um, but it's I, I smelled it, and it smelled like earth. And that's not, you know, I haven't actually smelled my dirt here, but I haven't smelled earth in a really long time. And so the big, one of the biggest things, you know, that pushes me towards following through with the plan to move there, buy that, all that, sell this, is that it would give me years of a head start on growing fruit and nuts because that soil is hydrated and it has a, enough organic debris to actually smell like earth that means it's probably friable and I can grow fruit trees and also it's not just the soil it's the fact that there are large trees in a like a lot of large trees on that property because of the water obviously and the you know that's attracted the animals which have attracted which have left manure and then all the grass has left this great mulch for everything which is a great little ecosystem in the desert but uh the shade and the wind breaks are really important for fruit trees and nut trees to be able to become established so it's this perfect kind of combination um where i could put a tree like a fruit tree um you know, probably like a semi-dwarf, right, um, to the northeast of every, you know, of, of every of every mesquite, essentially, you know. Um, and I can start establishing other trees, too, for shade and windbreak, but, like, already having trees and having that amount of water in the soil and that amount of friability, bam, I can start growing edible um, forest. And that is extremely compelling, and kind of wins out logically and rationally over my emotional attachment to this property because of the water and the amazing results I'm starting to see from all the effort I've put into it for the last two years. Um, because what's going on in the world right now is, I mean, if you, if you haven't been paying attention, you know, we're under, we're under attack um, by a globalist totalitarian agenda that wants to take everything, enslave everybody. You know, I've talked about this, you know, um, one of my episodes even got flagged or removed or whatever because someone reported it because it was talking about, you know, I was committing fat crime. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's funny. I just, I just posted, uh, some of the video clips from the, uh, just recently released January 6th footage, 
um, that the new Speaker of the House ordered to be released. And uh, it was actually a clip with commentary by Tucker Carlson. And Facebook instantly flagged it and, and blocked and like obscured it. So you can't, no one can see it, you know? So it's, it's uh, obviously, you know, they're just censoring. They don't want anyone to see it. And it's, you know, I mean, what, what would I have expected, right? It's Facebook. It's like one of the globalist, you know, agenda stirs, right? But anyway, what's going on in the world right now, if I can get my own food system in place sooner by like, we're talking years. I mean, I, this would probably give me, I mean, Jeff Lawton says two years, you need to establish native trees. And then two years later, you can plant fruit trees. Well, I'm looking at some of these native trees and that, you know, like, yes, okay. I did get one of my mesquites to grow uh, two and a half feet in about six months, but you know, is it going to grow two and a half feet every six months? I'm not really sure. I don't see that, you know? So, I mean, most of them are four inches high, you know, maybe some of them are like five and six inches. Some of them are eight. There's some 12, you know, but it depends on where they are. But like, it's still going to take years for those trees to actually develop to the size where they're going to provide shade and a windbreak for growing fruit and nuts. And so on a practical level, I am glad I made the pros and cons list. I knew I needed to make one because I was extremely emotional today. I've become very attached to, you know, my land just from investing in the tree planting and the, you know, the, the greening that's been happening. It's a big part of my heart. So, but, you know, as an adult, one needs to make the responsible decision. So <laughs> I'm not going to try to abstract the process. I, I probably will still talk with my attorney and just ask what are my options just so that I do know, but I I kind of sense and I'll see how I, you know, how I think about it and how I feel the next few days. I might take some walks around the property, you know, this property and just think more, um, you know, going to the patch today was helpful. Um, so, but yeah, either way, uh, I'll be okay. I think, I mean, I'm going to have to have to work either way pretty hard, but, um, just in terms of, you know, the, the practicality, I, I do, I was reminded by doing this pros and cons list that realistically it, it makes the most practical sense um, to go over there because if I'm given that opportunity to move over there and switch ownership to there, then I can, I can do things that I think are going to be very important for my survival, you know, as, as things just continually just I mean, they're flinging shit at the fan, like, kind of every day, nonstop now at this point. So it's, <laughs> it's like it's on its way. So that's where I'm at with it. And uh, I just, I need to do some more thinking and, and all that. But I guess there, there's a showing on Saturday of my place. And uh, I'm probably not going to be here. I already had plans to be in town. And I asked the listing agent. She didn't say that I, you know, I needed to be. So I'll just let her do her thing. Right. But... Yeah.